are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. My wife, uh, Nat, and I were dropping some friends off at the airport a few weeks ago. Uh, they came to hang out for a few days, and we were taking them to head back home. And when we got their luggage out of the back of the car, we gave them a hug and sent them on their way into the airport. And we get back in the car, and Annette says to me, um, do, do you ever think about this when you come to the airport? And we drop somebody off. She said, it's, a, it's kind of a sadness that comes over me. And she said, just, just look. And so I looked in front of us. We're sitting there in the car, getting ready to pull out into the traffic and leave the airport. And hatches are up and trunks are open and people are getting luggage out. And everybody's hugging each other goodbye. And some are holding on a little longer than others. And she said, I, I don't know, but just to me, there's a, there's a sadness here. It's, it's, it's goodbye. And you can just feel it, you know, just, just here. She said, but, but I, I, I admit that when we are down at the arrival gate, it's totally the opposite. Everybody's kind of running out with more energy and they're hugging friends and family members and uh, throwing stuff in the car, and there's just kind of a lightness about everybody. So I said, yeah, I hear you. She said, do you think about that? And I said, probably not like I'm going to think about it now from now on, because now you've, you've got me thinking about it. Um, we, we had the same experience happen to us last week. Our daughter, Brittany, and her little girl, Sadie, came to see us, or two weeks ago. And so we are all excited. We're headed to the airport. Um, they called us and said, okay, we're coming out. And so we pull up. Annette jumps out of the car, positions herself just where Sadie can see her when she's coming out the door. Sadie's our only granddaughter. She's nine years old. And so she, just as soon as she sees Annette, it's like a bolt of lightning leaving her mother running, just falling into Annette's arms. They're laughing. Annette's crying. Um, it's just wonderful. She sees me and says, Ricky, and she comes running over and falls into my arms, and we hug, throw their stuff in our car. We're driving away, and I'm saying, Sadie, I can't believe you're in Oklahoma. We're going to have so much fun. She's excited. We're excited. But about five days later, we drive to the airport, and we're going to take them back, and Sadie's struggling. <laughs> she wants to see her daddy, but other than that, she wants to stay in Oklahoma, and she's saying, but I don't want to leave Oklahoma. I want to stay with you guys. And we're trying to be positive and upbeat. And finally, we get their stuff out of the car, and we're holding her, and we're holding on a little longer, and we're a little tearful, and we send her into the airport to fly back home. Do you ever think that that, that might be a template for all of life? Um, life is full of departures and arrivals, right? I mean, at times in our life, it's, it's, uh, it's joy, it's excitement, and then there's times in our life when it's sorrow and disappointment. I think about the times I've called maybe Annette and said, guess What? And I think about the times I've called Annette and said, this is really hard. 
I, I think that that's what life is. There's, there's times in life when we're just, we're just excited and we're filled with joy. And, you know, it's like, could, could life be any better? And is this not a perfect day? And then there's times in our lives when we're just, we're just sad and we're kind of dealing with sorrow and we're trying to work through disappointment and wondering, could life be any more difficult than this? You know what I'm saying? So let me borrow some language from the text this morning from Paul. I think that we all know that there are times when we face challenges in life. And when I talk about challenges in life, his words are insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. And so you might say, well, I would never align with Paul in saying that I'm dealing with, you know, like persecution. I've never faced persecution like the apostle Paul faced persecution. But we all know what it's like to experience a time in our life when somebody has hurt us or we've been mistreated. And we all know what it is to hurt someone else or mistreat them. And everybody in the room can say, I faced hardships and I faced difficulties. And you're gonna face more hardships and you're gonna face more difficulties. And here's the only good news I can offer you in regard to that subject. And here's the good news. And it's simply this, that God's grace meets us in the unresolved places of our lives. See, I'm the kind of person, and you're the kind of person, when we have a problem, we want to resolve the problem, right? If it's, if it's sickness, we want the sickness to be healed. If it's a relationship that's broken, we want the brokenness to be mended, right? If, if it's a struggle, we want the struggle to be resolved. But we know it's a pipe dream to think that we're going to find all of our problems and struggles and challenges resolved. But the good news is that God meets us. His grace meets us in those unresolved places in our lives. He comes to us in those tough times and he walks with us. So we've been studying a book written by Dr. David Busick, Way, Truth, and Life, Discipleship is a Journey of Grace. This is the last week we're there and we're talking about the way that God's grace is sufficient in those tough times. And here's what Dr. Busick says. He gives us strength because we are stronger in our weakest moments when the Lord is with us than our strongest moments without him. We are stronger in our weakest moments when the Lord is with us than our strongest moments without him. And so I think it looks like this in everyday life, okay? So if you say to a person that you admire, they're a saint, they've walked with God, you think they are just a, a model Christian, and you say, I watched you. I was paying attention to you. I saw you. I was very aware of you when you went through that really difficult season in your life. I was watching you the whole way. And, and you came through that tragedy or you came through that sickness with so much grace. And that person's gonna push back and say, no, no, I can't take credit for that. That was God. That was God working in me. That was God helping me. And so I want to take you this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul talks about a difficult time he was going through. So here's the context. He, he had these fellow Corinthians who were kind of boastful. He said, well, maybe, maybe I should brag about my qualifications as an apostle. But he was being sarcastic, really. And he says, I'm not going to brag. 
about my qualifications as apostle. Instead, what I would love to brag about is my sufferings and my trials, those hard times. Because when I talk about those hard times, you realize it was the power of God that was at work in me. It wasn't me. If I was that broken, then God was obviously doing something through me. I can't take the credit. And so when you get to verse seven, here's what he says. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited about my qualifications as an apostle or what God has accomplished through me, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. It's this idea that maybe it was meant to hurt me, but God used it for good, okay? So a thorn in the flesh. What do you think about when you think about a thorn in the flesh? We have rose bush at our house, and every spring I have to trim back the rose bush. And every spring that rose bush gets me. I wear thick gloves, but for some reason I take off my glove to do something, and I pick up something, and I get stuck by the thorn. So he uses it metaphorically, this very difficult season he's gone through, he talks about it as if it was a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, a lot of you had Thanksgiving with family, right? And you might say, I understand the thorn in the flesh because one of my relatives was there. And that relative is a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. Paul uses it metaphorically saying, when we go through really hard times, it might feel a little bit like that. It just hurts, it's hard, it's difficult. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. God, would you take this away? God, would you please take this away? God, would you please take this away? Three times he says, I prayed for God to take it away. But he said to me, Paul, I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know what you're going through. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, my grace is gonna meet you in that unresolved place in your life. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Now he's talking about sufferings and trials here, okay? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. And he names them when I'm insulted, when I go through hardships, when I face persecution, when I go through difficult times, For when I am weak, that's when I become strong. So I want to talk to you for a little bit about what I think Paul is trying to say and God is trying to say to us through his word. Annette and I were living in Cincinnati years ago, and we made these friends. They, they, they were these folks that we had not met before. They all of a sudden showed up at our church, and they started attending. He was a pastor. He had pastored a few churches, and then he became a missionary. And then they moved back to Cincinnati, and what they're going to do there is work uh, with 
Hispanic people planting Hispanic churches, training Hispanic pastors. And they were very successful at it. But on Sunday mornings, they attended our church. And so we became friends. And, and they were just those people. They were just like a breath of fresh air in our lives. Annette and I loved them. We would call them like last minute, Friday night, six o'clock. Have you had dinner? No. Do you want to meet us? Yes. Okay, we'll meet you here. And, and, and they were just people where you could just be yourself. It was like they got us and we got them. It was just like, God, you're so good to give us friends like this. It was awesome. And then one day, at one of those dinners, she says to us, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And it's like the worst cancer. It's bad stuff. And it's aggressive. And it's growing. And they're not being positive at all about my future. I began to pray like crazy. We, we loved them. They were our friends. I didn't, I didn't want her to die. And I prayed for her healing. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I remember really well one night at dinner, sitting in a restaurant together. She says, I went to the doctor today. It's not good. She said, it doesn't look like God is going to choose to heal me. And then she says, pointing her fork at me across the table because she could see the despair on my face. I have peace about it. And you need to get peace about it too. And then, a couple of months later, she died. I mean, this all happened just in the process of a few months. Is that what this is? Has it come to this? Is it this bad? I mean, when I think about a thorn in the flesh, the first thing that comes to my mind is a splinter in your finger. It's annoying. I don't like it. I hate those things. I pick at it. I finally get some tweezers and get it out, and I'm done with it. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is a guy, you understand, who understood pain and suffering and trials like you and I probably never will in our lifetime. In fact, in chapter 11, he talks about it in great detail. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely, and I've been exposed to death again and again. I mean, this is him talking about his own life, okay? I mean, do you understand what all I've been through? Five times, I'm talking about five times, I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. In other words, they ripped my clothes off of me. They took a whip and they laid it across my back 39 times. That happened to me on five different occasions. I don't know how the guy was able to stay alive. Three times they beat me with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, curled up in a fetus position, trying to protect his head and his face as people stoned him. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. And besides everything else, daily I live with the pressure of my concern for all the churches that I've planted. But this thing has got me over a barrel. I mean, you, you heard the list. He's been through all of that. But this thing, this thing has got me bothered. We, we don't even know what it is. He never says. Some people have assumed it might be eyesight. Some people have assumed it might be something else. People have assumed other. Nobody knows. He never says what it is. But when you think about everything that I've been through, doesn't compare to this thing. This thing has got the best of me. And three times, I pray, God, would you please take it away from me? God, please, do you hear me? Take it away. God, I'm begging you, take this away from me. You know what the question of the day is? What happens when you can't pray your problems away? That's really what this is all about. What happens when you can't pray your problems away? Rick, I prayed, but I'm still depressed. I prayed and the job situation is still not a good situation. I prayed and the person that is sick is still sick. I prayed and the marriage isn't any better. I prayed and the relationship is still broken. Rick Harvey, I prayed and it still hurts. This is gonna be hard to hear. But I want you to look at me. It was true for Paul and it's true for you and it's true for me. There are times when prayer doesn't resolve life's challenges and problems and struggles. There are times when prayer doesn't resolve life's problems, challenges, struggles. And you say, why? Okay, need you to look at me one more time. You ready? I don't know. But, but you're my pastor. And I don't know. I don't know why. And, and I will never stand here and try to explain away the transcendence of God, the mystery of God. 
There are times in my life that I pray for somebody's healing. I just thank God. I mean, come on, look at, this makes all kinds of sense. If you would just do this, I mean, you would get lots of glory. I can find a thousand reasons why this is a great idea. And I can't tell you why he doesn't answer my prayers like I pray them sometimes. I don't know. I was at my mother-in-law's this week for Thanksgiving and I saw a plaque on her kitchen counter that said, sometimes when we pray, God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says, you gotta be kidding me. This is not one of those you gotta be kidding me moments. No, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about when this just makes all kinds of sense. This person needs to live. And, and I can't tell you why God doesn't answer the prayers like we pray them. I don't know. Well, if that's where we are, then what do you do? Like what's next, right? And so that's where Paul goes in this passage. You, you remember um, Corey Timboom, a Dutch watchmaker, the line of her family business. She and family members, her father, Casper, her sister, Betsy, they, um, they tried to protect Jews during the Holocaust, during World War II from the Nazis by hiding them in their home and transporting them away. Finally got caught and was, were put in concentration camps. And she survived and lived to tell about it. Became a very public author and speaker. Well, one day she tells the story about her dad, who must have been, his name was Casper, a very special person. And she says, I was, I was worried about something and, and I was talking to my dad as a little girl saying, you know, how do I know that God's going to come through? How do I know that God's going to be there? How do I know that God's going to help me, you know, through this? And so she said, my dad said to me, Corey, uh, when we go to Amsterdam and we take the train, when do I give you the ticket? And she said, well, right before we get on the train. And he said, exactly. Don't you realize, Corey, that God knows what you need? And then he says, when the time comes, you will look into your heart and find the strength that you need just in time. When the time comes, Corey, you'll look into your heart and you'll find the strength that you need just in time. It, it really mirrors what God says to Paul when Paul says, would you just take it away? 
He says, Paul, I know it's hard, but my grace is sufficient for you. There'll be enough grace for you to carry on and there'll be enough grace to carry you through. You'll look into your heart and at just the right time, you'll find enough strength. And, and then he adds, for my power, I'm gonna go back to the other screen. He adds, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do, do you know when God's power is most visible in your life? It, it's when you come to this place where you say, I don't know what in the world I'm gonna do. I, I don't have any idea in the world how I'm gonna get through this. And then you begin to operate on turbo power, God's power. Paul says, do you know when I'm strong? It's when I'm weak. <laughs> when I have no idea how I'm gonna make it. Because then I'm living in God's strength, not mine. And God brings me through. So I'm going to be very confessional with you, okay? Um, I, uh, I can be a little bit of a victim at times. Oh, this has been hard. And, and the truth is, maybe it has. I, I think many of us can have seasons of our life where we go through something and we say, you know, I feel like I've been a little mistreated. And, and maybe you have. And, and we have the option of living there. Just stay there. There's only one cloud in the sky and it's raining on me. But Paul says, I'm just not where I'm going to stay. I'm not going to live there. He says, when I'm going through those hard times, when I've been mistreated, when I have hardships and difficulties, that's when the power of God is the most visible in my life. God brings me through. I'm operating on turbo strength, God's strength. So I guess the question is, where are we going to live? I don't want to be a victim. I want to be victorious. And so this morning, the message is really simply, his grace is enough to bring you through. So Lord, no doubt there's people in front of me who are going through some tough stuff. It's been hard. It amazes me when I watch people going through hard times and they've made a choice, I'm not gonna live there. 
God's given me strength every day. And I'm able to carry on. And all of us stand back and we just watch and we're amazed at how God just keeps bringing them through. And so, Lord, help us to understand the truth of your word this morning and to live in the knowledge that your grace is enough for whatever we're dealing with. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It might be good to remain in your seat this morning and just... Um, Listen, and you might want to sing along. That would be fine. And you can respond in any way that you feel comfortable responding. Um, but God's here today, and he's saying to you, I know who you are. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. And I've got enough grace for you today. Blind, but 
God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you today. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.